0: boy was out in the woods, and he saw a cocoon, and he was fascinated by it. As he looked at it, he he saw the insect inside of it struggling, so he thought he would help it out, and he cut off the branch and took it home, and he continued to see the insect within struggling, so he thought he would help it get out, and he cut a slit in the cocoon so it could crawl out, and it did. It crawled out and moved around a little bit. But then it died. You see, the, the larvae within needed the struggle of getting out of the cocoon to force fluids into its wings so it could fly. The boy rushed the natural process of development. And not only could it not fly, it died. And I think the same is true with us. Oftentimes, we get ahead of God and rush His process, perhaps he delays answers to prayer. He allows us to go through trials and we get impatient and we try to hurry God up and rush the process that he's put us in for our good. And it just doesn't go well. And we don't fly. And sometimes we kill God's purpose and plan for our lives. Are you impatient today or am I the only one? Have you ever heard the saying, God helps those who help themselves? Do you believe that? Well, if you do, Genesis 16 is for you and me today. I'm going to read that text. Now, Sarai, Abram's wife, had borne him no children. She had a female Egyptian servant whose name was Hagar. And Sarai said to Abram, Behold now, the Lord has prevented me from bearing children. Go into my servant, and it may be that I shall obtain children by her. And Abram listened to the voice of Sarai. So after Abram had lived ten years in the land of Canaan, Canaan, Sarai, Abram's wife, took Hagar, the Egyptian, her servant, and gave her to Abram, her husband, as a wife. And he went into Hagar, and she conceived. And when she saw that she had conceived, she looked with contempt on her mistress. And Sarai said to Abram, May the wrong done to me be on you. I gave my servant to your embrace. And when she saw that she had conceived, she looked on me with contempt. May the Lord judge between you and me. But Abram said to Sarai, Behold, your servant is in your power. Do to her as you please. Then Sarai dealt harshly with her, and she fled from her. The angel of the Lord found her by a spring of water in the wilderness, the spring on the way to Shur. And he said, Hagar, servant of Sarai, where have you come from and where are you going? Because the Lord has listened to your affliction. He shall be a wild donkey of a man. His hand against everyone and everyone's hand against him. And he shall dwell over against all his kinsmen. So she called the name of the Lord who spoke to her. You are a God of seeing. For she said, truly, here I have seen him who looks after me. Therefore, the well was called. Be'er, LaHoy, Roa. it lies between Kadesh and Berid. And Hagar bore Abram a son, and Abram called the name of his son, whom Hagar bore, Ishmael. Abram was 86 years old when Hagar bore Ishmael to Abram. Let's talk about running ahead of God and his word, running ahead of God's word. Genesis fifteen four says, and behold, the word of the Lord came to him. This man shall not be your heir. Your very own son shall be your heir. So that's the word of the Lord to Abraham. He was excited. Eliezer, his servant, would not be the heir to fulfill the promise of God, but a son from his own body. Abraham is 85 right now and Sarah is 75 And yet still they have no children. Most of us don't understand how incredibly difficult that would have been for Sarah. A woman in the ancient world who was barren was considered to be hated by God. Imagine dealing with that every day. That you are a failure as a woman because you've not had a child. Oftentimes, it meant that your husband would divorce you for that reason. And it was another reason why polygamy was such an accepted cultural practice by people in the ancient world. I don't think that Sarah ever thought she would have a baby. At best, she might be a surrogate mother. And so we see her idea that she proposes in verse 2 to Abraham, which is even a common practice today. Now, remember, Sarah's waited a long time. She's 75 years old. She's not 35 and thinking my biological clock is running out. I better hurry up here. She's 75. I'm sure over those many years she cried out to God, but God was silent. It says in Job 23.3, Oh, that I knew where I might find him, that I might come even to his seat. If she knew where God lived, she would have certainly gone there and poured out her heart to him and cried out to God and argued her case before him. She had waited. And so have many of you. What are you waiting on today? A healing of your physical body? Maybe a spouse. Or a job. Or the salvation of a loved one that you've been crying out to God for a long time. Maybe revival in our country. Let me ask you this. Are you planning to help God out in some way? Do you already have the cocoon in your hand and you're thinking of ways you can just cut a slit in that cocoon and make it come out? We do these things because we don't understand God's ways or his timing. Isaiah 55, 8 says, for my thoughts are not your thoughts. Neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. We read in the text that the Lord prevented her from having children. And so we think, does God do that? Apparently. The Bible also says a day with the Lord is like a thousand years. We have to learn to wait. And that is so hard. Psalm twenty-seven, fourteen says, wait for the Lord. Be strong. And let your heart take courage. Wait for the Lord. God would have to teach her that. And us. So Sarah tells Abraham her idea. Now, it would have had to have been hard for her to put another woman in the arms of her husband. Perhaps she thought this is God's will. Or maybe it was just her will. Just trying to put myself in Abraham's shoes, the idea must have shocked him at first. He had been faithful to her over all those years of them not having a child. And he hadn't taken another wife, even though it was culturally acceptable. He hadn't done that. But now she's suggesting it. And he was warming up to the idea. Hmm, my wife wants me to have a younger woman. Imagine that. Sarah approved. Society approved. But God did not approve. Here's what God's word says in Genesis two twenty four. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife and they shall become one flesh. God never contradicts himself. Perhaps Abraham is thinking in his own mind, the promise given to me that I would have a son, perhaps the Lord means it's only through my body and not Sarah's body. So maybe a surrogate wife is a possibility here. He was questioning God's word, as we saw in Genesis 2.24. Satan always comes along and wants to get us to doubt and question God's word. Did God really say As Eve did as she handed the fruit to her husband, Adam, and he also ate. It says that Adam listened to the voice of his wife, Eve, there. And did you notice that in our text that Abraham listened to the voice of his wife, Sarah? So if your spouse gives you permission to sin, does that make it okay? If your pastor or your doctor or your lawyer, or your best friend, or your boss, gives you permission to sin. Does that make it okay? Abraham agreed and took Sarah, took Hagar as his wife as she got pregnant. Their impatience and our impatience in God's timing and dealings causes us then to rationalize our sin. We don't see Abraham or Sarah praying about this issue. They just use their common sense and acted. So are you praying about God's will right now? Or you just plan to cut the cocoon and go ahead with plan B? Running ahead of God's will. God's word and God's will are always connected. So is Hagar God's will for Abraham. Let's listen to Isaiah 30, verses 1 and 2. Ah, stubborn children, declares the Lord, who carry out a plan, but not mine, and who make an alliance, but not of my spirit, that they may add sin to sin, who set out to go down to Egypt without asking for my direction. To take refuge in the protection of Pharaoh and to seek shelter in the shadow of Egypt. Abraham went to Egypt, as we saw in Genesis chapter 12, without God telling him to do that. And while he was in Egypt, he bought Hagar. So how can I know God's will? Let me give you four confirmations for God's will. The first is the word of God, the scripture. That's the most sure way you can know God's will, because he declares it to you there. Another way is you have an inner conviction or your conscience speaks to your heart. That's the Holy Spirit within saying, don't do that or go this way. A third confirmation is the counsel of godly people, wise people in your lives that can give you wisdom. And the fourth way is our circumstances Can bring confirmation of God's will to us. Abraham and Sarah aren't seeking God's will on this matter. They didn't bring this matter of should Hagar be the surrogate wife and mother. We don't see them praying about that. They just acted on their own thoughts. And thus we're out of God's will. Running ahead of God's ways. Third thing for us to consider in this story. Running ahead of God's ways. Now, maybe the text lends itself to the thought that this was a one night thing, but it could have been more. I mean, they were technically married, right? Now, I think Abraham probably felt weird about this at first, probably guilty. Why would he feel that way? Because he was out of God's will. This wasn't God's best, his way. But Hagar got pregnant Now, that usually makes everyone happy when a pregnancy is within God's ways. But everyone wasn't happy. But wasn't this the outcome that they all desired? Did not this pregnancy fulfill God's word, his will, and his ways? No, it didn't, because it wasn't his way. Sex outside of marriage doesn't make your life better. It makes it more complicated. Problems began. Hagar became proud. She was no longer just a lowly slave girl now. She's a wife. And she was able to accomplish more in one night than Sarah was able to do in 60 years. Only she got pregnant. And Hagar found ways to kind of rub it in a proud look, her growing belly. She's taken a victory lap. And Sarah got mad and began to mistreat Hagar. She yelled at her and hit her. Then Sarah gets mad at Abraham and blamed him. This is all your fault. Marital problems. How in the world is Abraham ever going to figure this out? So then he abdicates responsibility. He threw up his hands and put it all on Sarah. She's your problem. You deal with it. I've done that. I could relate. Sarah's clobbering Hagar and Abraham turns a blind eye. Remember, she's pregnant. He wasn't protecting his other wife. See what sin leads to? See what happens when we're out of God's will? All kinds of problems. Do you see the dysfunction of this situation in this family? There was a parishioner at our church in Marysville that always liked to say, my family puts the fun And dysfunction. How could Abraham correct Sarah when he agreed to all this mess? Running from God. Hagar had enough. So she ran away, which is understandable. Have you ever run away? Run away from a problem? An abusive situation? Or God? Listen to what Linus says to Charlie Brown. I don't like to face problems head on. I think the best way to solve problems is to avoid them. In fact, this is a distinct philosophy of mine. No problem is too big or complicated that it can't be run away from. So she runs away back toward Egypt. She was on her way to Shur, which is on the way to Egypt between Kadesh and Barid. She's going home. So what did we already establish that Egypt represents? The world. Who are you running away from? Where are you running to? Are you running back to the world? Are there really any answers there? Are you running away from past hurts? Past memories? Past failures? God. Look, don't blame God for other people's behaviors toward you. Even Christians will let you down sometimes. Running away never solves anything. It just delays your healing. So let me ask you, what's your lag time between crucial conversations that you really need to have? Now we see in the story how God reaches out and responds to her because he loves her. As a principle for us, God seeks you. He pursues you. We don't see Abraham and Sarah coming, running after her to find her. She's pregnant. She and this baby inside her womb would have died out in that desert and they didn't care. God cares, though. About the needy person, the hurting person, that single pregnant mom who feels like she has no one. Kim knows all about that. God cares about that unborn baby inside of her. God loves Hagar just as much as he does Sarah and Abraham. He, he loves the Muslim person, the Buddhist, the Atheist. So the text tells us that the angel of the Lord finds her. He finds you where you're at today. He sees you. He knows you're hurting. He knows the injustice that's been done to you. And he will vindicate you in his time. Who is this angel? Well, either an angel on assignment, able to bring God's message to her. But the way he speaks to her in the I, in the singular, makes me think it's a pre-incarnate visit of Jesus Christ with her that's my thought i think it's a theophany let her be god speaks to you notice he calls her by name he knows your name he knows your name he knows where you're at whenever we see in scripture god asking a human being a question it's not for information He wants that person, he wants you to express your heart. He's wanting her to think about her life. Hagar, do you belong out here? Is this really where you want to be? Is this really where you want to go with your life? Think about it. God wants you to talk about the frustrations that you have and who and what you're running from. I want you to think about that. And talk about it. So we see that she answers and pours out her heart to the angel of the Lord. She tells her whole story, how she was a slave in Egypt and how she was purchased by these foreigners who took her away from her home and brought her to a different country. And then she was given to this man and then mistreated by his wife. Let her see God sends you back. God Tells her, go back and submit to Sarah. Turn around. You can't keep running. And that's essentially what the word repent means in Scripture. And why it's so important for us. When we turn away from God and we're running away from him and going our own way and doing our own thing. We have to turn around and go back. We, we have to once again submit to God's authority and God's ordained human authorities in life. We simply can't control what other people do to us. We can only control ourselves and our own thinking. So we have to obey God and go back. God tells her his plan for her, and his plan is back there. But it's a plan of blessing, very similar to Abraham's, if you notice, that she would have many descendants because she is connected to the blessed man, Abraham. She's told what she is to name her son and given a prophecy about his life. So if you want the blessing of God today, you need to repent and turn around and go back. It will be hard, but she did it. And she even gives God a name. El Roi, the God who sees me. It's just in my ESV translation. It just translates it out in English, but it's El Roi. The only time in the Bible that God is called this name, and it's the name given to him by an Egyptian slave woman. Imagine that. She gives God a name that's in the Bible. So she realizes, if God sees me, then I can go back to Abraham and Sarah. That experience of encountering God gave her the courage to face her fears, knowing that she would probably be mistreated again. But this time, God will see her. She has faith in the true and living God now. God is a God who has seen. He has seen me. And that's exactly what God has done for us in sending Jesus Christ his son. God wanted to be seen. So he was seen in Jesus Christ who reveals God to us and shows us what God is like. So she goes back. She must have told them her story, for we see that Abraham receives her. He even names the child what she said the angel of the Lord told her to call him. That would be a situation where Abraham would call that child whatever he wants. But he believed her story. And not only did he believe her story, but he publicly acknowledges Ishmael as his son. Now, Ishmael legally would also have been Sarah's son. Hagar would lay down beside Sarah, and when the baby was born, the baby would have been put immediately on Sarah's belly. But we have no mention of that in our story because Ishmael isn't God's will. In fact, Ishmael will become a huge problem for Abraham and Sarah later, as we will see. God is sometimes silent. Sometimes he's silent for a long time. And we have to learn to wait. Our tendency will always be to circumvent God's plan with our plans, you know, to cut the cocoon. Abraham had to learn that, and so do we. And we know that Abraham did, because Hebrews 6.15 says, And thus Abraham, having patiently waited, obtained the promise. He will learn that lesson, and so will we. Let me ask today, do you have a Hagar? Have you ever had one? Do you have one right now? The result is Ishmael. Anyone have any little Ishmaels running around right now? If so, how's that working out for you? Probably not so good. We, we don't help God out by cutting the cocoon, by rushing his process, but rather being patient, which is hard, and letting God's purpose and plan play out So that what is born is that beautiful butterfly where we are meant to fly, we do. I want to close with this line that was written on a German concentration camp wall. Whoever penned this, a Jewish person, said, I believe in the sun even when it is not shining. I believe in love even when I don't feel it. And I believe in God, even when he is silent. Let's pray. Lord, in all these stories in Genesis, as we're going through it, we see just how marvelous you are and how perfect your plan is when we don't understand it. And we see human actors on the pages of Scripture, just like us. They get ahead of you and sin And do their own thing and think they know best. So, Lord, we can identify with them and we can certainly learn from them. May we learn, Lord, these lessons. We have the advantage of having your word with us and your Holy Spirit within us. Where we have gotten ahead of you and done our own thing, made our own plans and messed it up. Lord, we're sorry for that. We repent of that. We turn away from that. And we turn back to you to embrace your perfect plan and will. Even if it's difficult. And even when you're silent and we have to wait a long time. That's better than having a lot of Ishmaels in our lives. Forgive us. Lord. Strengthen us to turn back and go your way. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand.